I want you to take your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you have. If you don't have any of that, the Scripture's on the screen. I've been preaching for 35 years, 35 years, and I've never preached about the text that I'm going to preach about today. It's in Acts chapter 9. I've never talked about the lady that I'm going to talk about today, but in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, this is what the Scripture says. It says, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deed, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. Forasmuch as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter rose and went with them, when he was come, they brought him to the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeling, kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. I want to take a few moments and I want to talk to you about life's greatest discovery. Life's greatest discovery. One of my heroes was a man by the name of Sir Winston Churchill. And Sir Winston Churchill said... We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And Sir Winston Churchill understood that life's greatest discovery is realizing that satisfaction and tranquility and peace and fulfillment in life comes through serving other people. It's not about serving yourself. It's not about yourself. It's about serving others. Now, I want to give you this piece of advice. I promise you, friend, if you'll live your life concentrating on making people's dreams come true, you'll wake up one day and you'll find all of your dreams have come true. If you'll just concentrate on making life better for others, You'll wake up one day and you'll realize I've had a good life because my focus has not been me, it's been others. You know, I challenge people to serve. I, I don't mean this in the wrong way, but if you're wanting a church, if your favorite song is I Should Not Be Moved, <laughs> and you sing Standing on the Promises, but all you really want to do is sit on the premises, I'll be honest with you, this wouldn't be the church for you. I can highly recommend some that they'll be content for you just to come to set and soak. But I'm not content for you to come and set and soak. If that's all you want out of life, you and I are never going to have a good relationship. Because, see, I believe we were all created to serve. And, see, I don't want you to serve because I have all these chores and all these tasks here at Rock Springs and I've got all this work and I need somebody to do it. I don't want you to serve for that reason. I want you to serve because I want you to experience the fulfillment. I want you to experience the joy. 
I want you to experience the rewards that come from serving because it's the greatest feeling in the world. It's the greatest experience in the world to serve other people. You know, I've, I've been watching a little bit of the basketball. It's got into the finals now. It's uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing the Golden State Warriors. Seem like they always do. But they're playing for the championship. And there's one young man by the name of Kevin Durant. He plays basketball. When he plays, he reminds me a lot of when I play. But anyway, uh, <laughs> he plays basketball. And Kevin Durant received the award for being MVP, the best. And when he received that award, I was really touched by what he said. This is what he said. And, and last, my mom. I don't think you know what you did. You had my brother when you were 18 years old. Three years later, I came out. We were stacked, the odds were stacked against us. Single parent with two boys by the time you were 21 years old. Everybody told us we weren't supposed to be here. We moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our, our first apartment. No, no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in, in the living room and just hugged each other. Because we, that's what we, we thought we made it. And when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street, put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. <laughs> you the real MVP. Well, certainly Mrs. Durant made a great difference. And I want to talk to you today about a lady who also made a great difference. She made a great difference in the lives of other people. You know, somebody said if we've been a success in life, when we're born, we'll be crying and other people will be laughing. But when we die, we'll be laughing and other people will be crying. Well, if that's true, this lady that we're going to talk about today, Tabitha, was certainly a great success. And I want you to see four things about this lady that I've never preached about, perhaps you've never taught about or studied about, but I want you to see four quick things about her. The first thing I want you to see about Tabitha is her position. Her position. See, look what verse 36 says. Verse 36 says, Now there was at Joppa, and many of you that have been to Israel with me, you've been down to Joppa because we go every time. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha. I want you to notice something, though. 
The Bible says she was a disciple. Now, what, what is a disciple? A disciple is a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say she was a church member. It doesn't say she'd been baptized. It doesn't say she'd given a lot of money. It doesn't say, didn't say she was well-known. It says she was a disciple. She was a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. And folks, let me say something. It's so important that every one of us have that position. It's so important that every one of us are a disciple. You know, in 1912, there was a ship that set sail from England to New York. It was called the Titanic. And you know, the most wealthy people, the most prominent people of all time are on that ship. There was actually 2,224 people on the ship. And they made this statement before they left on that maiden voyage. They made this statement. Even God couldn't sink this ship. Even God couldn't sink this ship. But you know the story. It hit an iceberg. And ladies and gentlemen, 1,500 people lost their lives. Well, when the report began to come in that people had lost their lives, back in England, they had a large board, and there was a line down the middle of that board. It was separated. And on one side, it said, known to be saved. And they would write the names of the people that were saved from the Titanic that were alive. And then on the other side, it said, those known to be lost. And they would write the names of those that had died in the Titanic. And ladies and gentlemen, I thought about that's just how it is today. We're either saved or lost. We're either a saint or an ain't. I don't know that that's good grammar. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, what is so important for every one of us to do, what's so important for every one of us to do is examine our position and make sure that I'm not just a church member, I'm not just a good person, but I've had an experience with Jesus Christ, that I'm a disciple, I'm a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Because, folks, that's the first step to life's greatest discovery is to know unequivocally that your heart's right with Christ. But I see something else. Not only do I see her position, but I see her passion. Look what verse 36 says. It says, this woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. You know what? She was always doing kind things for other people. She was always serving others. And she realized that's where it's at. It's not let's talk about me. It's about serving other people. And that's what Tabitha did. Tabitha was a Hebrew name. Dorcas was her Greek name, translated in the Greek. But that's what this lady did. She went around and had a passion to serve other people. 
Last week I was preaching at Orange Beach, Alabama. Orange Beach, Alabama. I don't know if you've ever been to Orange Beach, Alabama, but I was there and literally I had two men with me because I don't want to travel anywhere by myself. And I had two men with me and I'd get up each day and I would run. And if you've ever been to Orange Beach, Alabama, it's right on the line you go over to Florida. So I'd get through running every day, and the men would say, did you have a good run? I'd say, had a great run. I ran to Florida today and back. <laughs> but while we was in Orange Beach, Alabama, I said to the men, I said, men, there's a restaurant I want us to go to. It's called Lambert's. I said, I've been to the two in Missouri, but I've never been to the one in Foley, Alabama. And I want us to go to the one in Foley, Alabama, because the one in Foley, Alabama, what they do is they throw rows. They throw rows, and you catch those rows, and you put apple butter on them, or you put butter on them, or you put honey on them. You, you catch those rows, and if you drop the row, they'll just throw you another row. And we was having a great time. I mean, I, I, I had Don Mount with me, and he was catching a couple rows. I had Matt Akins. Matt caught four or five, Kim. I wasn't supposed to tell you that. But anyway, Matt was catching the rows. But you know, I began to think about something. I sat back, and I watched. And I saw the guy that was throwing the rows. He was just a little old wormy guy. See, folks, did you ever think about this? We think Samson. We get it in our mind that Samson was a Lou Ferrigno, Hulk Hogan, Benny Tate. <laughs> no, 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 no. Think about this. Samson may have been a 98-pound weakling. The Lord was his strength. But anyway, get back to the story. This little guy was walking around throwing rows, and let me tell you something. I saw these big old guys catching the rows. No offense, but I saw these big old gals catching the rows. <laughs> and no, 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 I'm not, I'm not picking on people. There's blessings. There's blessings to being a little overweight. It don't take as much water in the bathtub, amen? It kind of jumps up. No, no, no. But I realized something. I said, my goodness, this is a picture of the local church. You've got just a few people that are walking around doing the work. They're throwing the rows. But most are just sitting, catching another roll, putting some butter on it, and then getting another roll. See, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced of this, folks. When most people come to church, this is how they look. This is how they look. Feed me, Pastor. Yeah. Oh, what's the church going to do for me? What's the church? What can, this, what can this new church do for me? Feed me, Pastor. 
I have people come to me and say, oh, I had to leave my last church. Why'd you leave your last? Oh, I wasn't getting fed. Well, listen, folks, I've been around enough tables. The only people you have to feed around the table anyway is babies. It's not my, if you're depending on my 30 minutes every Sunday to feed you enough nutrition from the Word of God, you're going to die of malnutrition. No, no, no. You're an adult. You have a responsibility every day to feed yourself. But many times we come to church, folks, and this is how we look, and we say, oh, oh, what, what are they going to do for me today? What's the church going to give me today? What can I get today? Let me tell you something. That's not how the Lord wants you to look. Here's how the Lord wants you to look. See, remember, he took the towel and got down on his knees and washed other people's feet. It was not about serve me. It was about how can I serve See, that, that, that's what you, you say, well, what about leadership? No, 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 you listen to me closely. Leadership is not about how many people serve you. It's about how many people you can serve. It's about what you can do for other people. It's not about getting your name in lights. No, no, no. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He was totally about serving other people. You know, as I was researching this scripture, this is what it says too. One translation says, she extravagantly served. Extravagantly served. She, she gave her best. Vince Lombardi said, the quality of a person's life is in their, in their direct proportion to commitment to excellence regardless of their chosen field of endeavor. See, folks, the Lord, whatever we do, we ought to do it hardly unto the Lord. He deserves our best. It, it ought to be first class. I heard about a guy that goes to Harley-Davidson, and he says, I want to buy a Harley-Davidson. And the owner of Harley-Davidson said, you don't understand. We only sell Harleys. To man's man's. We only sell Harley to men that are very much a man. What have you done to justify you buying a Harley? He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I was out in the woods with my chainsaw. He said, I cut my hand off. He said, I went to the barn. I got some fishing line. And I sewed my hand back on. He said, my goodness. He said, you can buy whatever you want. That old boy said, all right. <laughs> Too many things we do for the Lord is all right. When ladies and gentlemen, it ought to be all right. It ought to be all right. We ought to be giving our best. He deserves our best. He deserves excellence. He doesn't deserve second rate. 
her position, her passion. Let me, let me, let me give you another one. Her possibility. If you look at verses 37 through verse 41, you got to understand something. <laughs> this lady died. And they sent for Peter, who was three hours away, and he came, and she was resurrected. She was resurrected. You know, I, I, I heard a story about an evangelist that was preaching in this church, and he said, someone in this congregation is going to die this week. And the guy was on the front row, and he just kept smiling. And the evangelist said, you don't understand. Somebody on this, in this congregation is going to die this week. No oh, boy, just. And finally he said, sir, do you understand what I'm saying? Somebody in this congregation is going to die this week. And old boy said, I'm not a member of this congregation. <laughs> now, here's what I want you to understand. God resurrected this lady from death. You know what she knew about God? She knew with God Everything is possible. With men, things may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. C.T. Studd, remember that name, C.T. Studd. He said, God wants not nibblers of the possible, but grabbers of the impossible. We need more studs in the church, amen? William Carey said, Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Ladies and gentlemen, I prayed in the early service with a man who had cancer, and I said, God, if you can raise a woman from the dead, you can heal this man of cancer. And if you can raise a person from the dead, you can restore a marriage. And if you can raise a person from the dead, you can bring a wayward child back home. And if you can raise a person from the dead, you can turn my bad past into a bright future because with God, all things are possible. See, I see her position I see her passion. I see her possibility. Oh, folks, we serve a God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You say, but Brother Benny, I've been wondering how he's going to work this out, and I've been wondering how he's going to work that out. I've been wondering how that's going to come into fruition. I want to report to you, he can exceed anything that we can ask or think. I want to give you one more, and I'm done. I see her position, her passion, her possibility, but one other. I see her purpose. It's in verse 42. It's her purpose, it's my purpose, it's your purpose. Look what it says. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. What's our purpose, ladies and gentlemen? We're just nobodies. That ought to be telling everybody about somebody that can change anybody. 
There was a Sunday school teacher by the name of Edward Kimball. Remember that name, Edward Kimball. He led a man to the Lord by the name of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody preached and J. Wilbur Chapman came to know the Lord. J. Wilbur Chapman preached and a baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday came to know the Lord. Billy Sunday preached and a man by the name of Mordecai Ham came to know the Lord. And Mordecai Ham goes to North Carolina and preaches. A little boy by the name of Billy Graham comes to know the Lord. You say, Pastor, but oh, what about all those great men of God? No, no, no. It all started with a Sunday school teacher who understood their purpose. And their purpose was to bring people to Jesus Christ. Years ago, the man who led me to the Lord was a man by the name of Clayton Jones. And Clayton Jones called me about six months ago, and he said, Benny, I've got wonderful news. I said, tell me about it. He said, you know, I've been preaching all these years, and sometimes I'd pastor three or four churches at one time. But he said, I've got my first full-time church at 73. And he said, Benny, I'm, I'm like you now. And I said, well, I've got more than full-time. But he said, I've got my church. And periodically I would call him, and I could tell it didn't seem to be going too well. And finally I called his wife, and she said, uh, he's heartbroken. I said, tell me what's going on. She said, well, it's one of those churches that's very liturgical. He, he doesn't have the education, Benny. And they've asked him to step down. Use cruel words, said things, you're not qualified. In over your head. And he's saying things like, I'm a failure. I said, well, thank you for talking to me. And I called him, and I said, Clayton, you remember when Mama ran the tavern? We lived in the tavern. We had to go out and play with little boys and girls, and parents would say, don't play with him as Mama runs beer joints. But you remember, Clayton, you would stop by and you'd say to my mama, y'all are welcome at church. Matters not to me that you run the tavern. You're welcome. You need to bring Benny to church. Listen to me very closely. You, you, you get this down. Everybody is welcome at Rock Springs Church. It 
matters not to me what your education level is. It matters not to me if you're white, black, tan. It matters not. Red, I could care less. Matters not. God loves all people. All people. He, he loved me. And I said, Clayton, you remember the night that I called and said, Mama called and said, Benny wants to get saved, and you came down and led me to the Lord. I said, Clayton, that was 35 years ago. And I've led thousands on top of thousands to faith in Jesus Christ. So don't you ever say you were a failure. You're not a failure. You're a hero. You're a hero. Because you've lived your life to bring people to Jesus Christ. Many of us that were from the wrong side of the tracks, you've lived your life to bring us to Christ. And folks, that's your purpose for life. That's your purpose. He's called us to be fishers of men. And when we're not fishing, if we quit fishing, we'll go to fighting. Amen? But he's called us to be fishers and to reach people for Jesus Christ. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.